morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Appreciate our media team, our worship teams for coming in and uh, all the hard work of making this happen week by week. Uh, deeply moving for me to see. I'm just glad that there's ways around all the stuff that are limiting us these days, being able to gather together. And uh, uh, people are thinking outside the box, thinking of different ways to do things. There's even going to be a drive up, meet and bless event May 9th, Saturday, May 9th from two to three here in the parking lot where there's, a, uh, there's more information on our, in our uh, news magazine that comes out every Tuesday. But it's a way to bless a young couple. And uh, so there, there's more coming about that. But there's different ways of doing things. We just have to find a way. But uh, I can't wait for us to be able to get back together and go on with our lives and some of the things that we have in our heart to do this summer. Um, this has been a tough week. For a lot of people, I, I hear it, I sense it, I know it in my own heart. Uh, anyone who's looking for government, looking for um, a political salvation, a political savior, or a solution, uh, can be very, very disappointed. It's a trying time. Uh, I talked to a guy in Italy this week, and, and it's turned into a, a major police state where people follow you down the street with drones and, and track your every movement. Uh, people are not allowed to leave their house without written permission. Uh, it sounds super, super strict. Um, and, and I think it's going to be the future for a lot of places. Um, think of India this week, uh, where they're caning people for going outside, walking outside without a mask on or doing anything. Uh, actually caning people. Uh, very, very tough to see. Then there's little places like Grand Turk. I, I talked to someone on the island of Grand Turk where you're allowed to go out twice a week and uh, very limited times that you're allowed to go out, uh, but you can't go out without a mask. The problem being that there are no masks. <laughs> All the shipping has stopped, and it's just one of those crazy things where the government says you, can, you have to wear a mask, but there are no masks. And so, so our trust is low. Um, many of us are disappointed with what we see happening in our country. I feel bad for people in Spain, uh, uh, a lot of people suffering there, a lot of um, economic hardship and a lot of disease. Uh, a friend of mine got this uh, virus and uh, it's very, very challenging for some people. I feel bad for the people in New York City. My heart goes out to them every week and I see the roller coaster that they're in. But I see in scripture several places, uh, Isaiah 49:23 and Psalm 25:3. Uh, where David said, those who trust in the Lord shall never be disappointed. It's all about our trust in the Lord. And that's what we have to use this time for. How deep is our trust in the Lord? Um, the same scripture says, those who wait upon the Lord shall never be disappointed. And this is a time of waiting. And waiting's not easy. I'm... <laughs> Uh, I grew up in a, in a home where we cooked on a wood fire and, um, and then went to gas. And now we're tapping our toe at the microwave oven like it's not fast enough. Uh, we're the generation that can't hardly stand to wait through a drive through because it's too slow. We're the generation that can't stand high-speed internet because it's too slow. Uh, those who've been on dial-up or who remember when the internet first started with dial-up, uh, realize that this is not slow, but it, there's something in our natures, including my own, that I don't, I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait for anything. 
And even in prayer, I notice myself, unless God's speaking and, or I'm, I'm overcome with emotion or uh, really feeling his presence, it's hard for me just to sit when it feels like nothing's happening. But there is something happening. There's something that passes in the silence between his soul and my soul. Uh, the word weight is quava in the Hebrew, and it has to do with braiding together, a twisting together. And whether we can see it or not, and this is where it takes faith, whether we can see it or feel it, those who wait upon the Lord, there's a braiding that takes place where his motives become our motives, and his mind becomes our mind, and his ways become our ways, and, and, and there's... There's something in the waiting. It's, I call it the work of waiting. It's not easy. But I think, I think God is in this in terms of our waiting and having to have layers of things peeled off of us. If you think back, even in the first week when we're having to wait and uh, be separated, uh, you know, you start thinking, you know, what's, what's wrong with the world? You know, the world has to change. And after about a week, it's, it's what's wrong with us, our family. Something has to change. And what's wrong with our house? Something has to change around here. And people did a lot of cleaning and painting and changing things. Then you get about the fifth or sixth weekend. And it starts, what's wrong with me? What needs to be changed in me? And I think we start from the outside. And he peels us like an onion until we get down to a place where we realize that What's wrong with the world and what's wrong with our family, what's wrong with everything around us, really, really goes down to what's wrong with us. We need some things changed in our hearts. And it comes in the waiting. It comes in the absence. It doesn't come in the busyness. It comes in the absence of things that we take for granted, things we normally have. I talked about Job last week. And I've read different times where uh, Job waited for healing for about a year. That whole story that we read in the book of Job lasted about a year. That's a long time if you're sitting on a pile of, of ashes and your body's hurting and you're mourning and you're, lo you're experiencing loss. A year is a long time to wait. But Job wasn't disappointed that he waited. Not only was he changed, not only did he have a revelation of God that is astounding revelation, but God doubled everything that he had lost. Abraham walked with God. God gave him a promise. And in that promise, uh, uh, it, it, it ignited something in his heart. And he walked with God for 25 years before that promise came about. And it looked like things were getting worse. It looked like he was getting older. It looks, looked like to him that opportunity was being lost. He kept looking at his wife and realizing, this promise doesn't happen soon. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. But... Abraham walked with God. He worshiped the Lord. He honored the Lord. He blessed the Lord. And in something, something that happened, there was a transformation. Very gradually, you see Abraham going from faith to faith. And very gradually, you see where he comes into the promise and he's not disappointed. He experiences. He trusts the Lord. David, he gets his prophecy that he's going to become the king of Israel. And then he's chased by the king uh, in the wilderness for about 10 years. That whole trial that we read about for David lasted about 10 years. That's a long time when you, you have an expectation, a long time when you have a hope, a long time when you feel a prophetic word burning inside of you. 
And even when it began to happen, and it happened incrementally, it happened in stages, seven years out he gets anointed, then another three years later he gets anointed. I think of Pentecost coming, it's coming here soon, where we celebrate Pentecost. 120 people in an, in an upper room, and they spent 40 days with Jesus, and he's explaining what the kingdom was like. That would have been excited, exciting. And then he leaves, and then it's 10 days. 10 days of being sequestered. 10 days with the doors locked. 10 days with no work. 10 days with nothing to do. You have a choice whether to sit, stand, or kneel. And that's your, that's your options. They're there. Mary's there. Uh, Jesus' own brothers are there. Can imagine them praying to Jesus for the first time as God. It wasn't easy to wait. And I'm not sure where this happened in the story, but there's this one moment where Peter said, I go a fishing. And what he, what he meant wasn't, I'm going down to the pond and, and do some relaxation and do some recreational fishing. He said, I'm going back to business. I'm going back to work. A few of the other disciples, they followed him. And they went out fishing. Of course, they didn't catch anything. There was no blessing on the thing. And Jesus encounters them. He's on the beach cooking fish, cooking bread, calls out to them. He says, children, have you caught anything? They said, nothing. Then he blessed it so that their nets were full, full with a huge load of fish. They drag them up on the shore. They stand. I can hear the gravel crunching under their feet as they're eating bread filled with fish the cold morning, Jesus not saying a word, just letting them have their breakfast. And finally, he looks over Peter, then looks at the fish and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And we see one of the most profound, beautiful reproofs in the Bible where Jesus doesn't condemn, but he asks questions of us of what's going on in our heart, what motivates us, what makes us tick. And Peter answered the question, the way he honestly would. And, and Jesus kept going deeper. Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he kept asking that. And I think there's something in the waiting where, where God wants to deal with us on a deeper level. And it doesn't happen in the busyness and it doesn't happen in the great prayer meetings where the glory of the Lord's brooding upon us. I think it happens on the couch with your head buried in the in the pillow. I think it happens at the side of your bed. I think it happens when no one's around. I, I think it happens when, in those times when you are alone. And it doesn't feel like anything's happening in prayer. It doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere. That happens to me a lot. In fact, I, I don't even like prayer for the most part because it's, it's, my prayer times are made up of a lot of that. I like it when I'm, I'm feeling his glory. I like it when I'm hearing his voice and the Bible's sparking and coming alive, but that doesn't happen all the time. It just seems like the bulk of it for me is waiting. And I have to believe that those who wait upon the Lord will not be disappointed that a, a, braiding, a braiding is taking place, a transformation is taking place. Paul waited after his encounter on the road to Damascus. He sat in darkness. And if you can imagine this, he didn't eat or drink anything for three days. He's completely blind. He's sitting alone. He can't converse. He can't read. He can't do anything. But a transformation's taking place. I think he's thinking about everything he'd ever heard about Jesus, everything that he'd ever read about Jesus, every, every rumor he ever heard. And he's thinking it through. Something's happening on the inside of Saul, who's going to become Paul. 
a transformation. And then it got exciting for a while. It got busy. He's preaching. He's testifying. He almost loses his life. It doesn't get any more exciting than that. And then he goes out into the wilderness. And, and he's there for about three years where he's alone. And a transformation is taking place until Barnabas came and got him. But there is a waiting. When you feel called and you feel a sense of purpose, and he felt that, and then all of a sudden it goes flatline. That's where we lose people. That's what faith is. That's when faith is required. And, and it's easy to believe when everything's going great. But in that flat time, when it looks like nothing's happening, I think I hit one of those this week. It just looked like nothing was happening. Everything on the news was so disappointing for me to see. That's when I need faith. That's when I need to trust the Lord. I need to actually bring my heart before him and bring my disappointments before him. Uh, I read in the Psalms where, where David vented before the Lord and he would say, Lord, hear my complaint. I think there's a place for us to write out what we're feeling, what we're thinking, really getting in touch with what's going on inside of us. I think there's change in that. I think something happens when we actually write our lamentations before the Lord and, and, and sort it out, sort out our thinking on paper, sort out our thinking in prayer. Why do I feel the way I feel? What's going on inside of me? What, God, what is God after? What does God want to do inside of me? I don't think it comes in the busy times. I think it comes in the, <clears throat> in the, the dry, desolate times, the, the lonely times, the, the quiet times. Something happens. <clears throat> in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, says, Therefore the Lord will wait. Now that's intentional. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord uh, is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So we're waiting because he's waiting. It's intentional. I think every promise, every prophecy in every prayer that we ever give, there's a gap between the time that happens and the time that it's fulfilled. But those who wait, those who stick with the process, those who endure the process, will never be disappointed, never have any regrets. If I can tell you honestly what I'm concerned about as a pastor, for us as a people, is that we can get on the other side of this and come into more freedoms and get back together and go back to work and go back to our busy lives and look back on this time with regret, look back on this time and be disappointed that it even happened at all, that we had to endure it. I, I'm hearing people saying, I don't even know if we, this is even necessary. Well, people are expressing that now. You wait, you'll hear that, you'll hear that everywhere. Where people say, do we really need to go through that? Was that a hoax? Was that set up? Was that man-made? Was that some kind of agenda that someone had? There's gonna be great doubts. I'll tell you what, that, that will happen, but you don't have to experience those doubts. What you can do is you can say, no, no. For me, it doesn't matter what happened. I went deep in God. For me, I, he braided me with his heart. For me, something happened. For, for me and my family, we were changed. We don't know what happened and why it happened, but we're not disappointed because we used the time to trust the Lord. We used the time to be braided 
We use the time to bring our hearts before him and let him deal with us and go deeper and transform us. Those who use this time for that purpose will never be disappointed. No matter what we learn down the way, no matter what we learn about this virus, no matter what we learn about the science or the politics of it, it won't matter because we've used it. We've used it for something that transformed us. Those who wait upon the Lord will never be disappointed. Moses had to wait. Everybody I know in the Bible. I think one of the ones that's so moving for me is Elijah. We read about him in James chapter 5, verse 17. And Elijah gave his first prophetic word and then ran into hiding. And he spent the next three and a half years alone, isolated, quarantined, no fellowship, no fire. Uh, spent most of that time in a creek bank. If you've ever spent any time in a creek bank, that's the last place you want to be. Everything starts to rot. Everything starts to stink. You can't get comfortable. You can hear the hoof prints of the people who are racing around looking for you. You can hear them hollering. And he's, James made a, a point of saying that Elijah was a man of like passions. In other words, Elijah was just like us. He wasn't some superhuman who could really wait really endure the process. James had it right. Elijah was just like us. He missed family. He missed friends. He missed barbecues. He missed all the social stuff. But he was alone. He was sequestered, quarantined. And then when he was released from that riverbank, he went and spent time with this lady in an upper room. Her and her son, he could hear them downstairs, but he couldn't have fellowship. And that whole thing lasted three and a half years. And James thought it was important that we know that Elijah was a man just like us. It's not easy to wait. I call it the work of waiting. The work of waiting. It's hard. I don't like to wait for anything. I don't like to wait. But I want God to change me. I want God to do something deep in me. I don't want this to be a waste of time. I don't want to look back on this and say, I wish that never happened. I want to come out of this shinier, cleaner, leaner, decluttered, both in my home and my heart. I want something to change in my marriage. I want something to change in my relationships. I want something to change in my expectation. I want this to be worthwhile. I don't want to just do this. I don't want to, I don't want to spend all my time on Netflix and get on the other side of this and, and just look back on that with a deep, deep regret. I want, I want God to do something inside of me, a transformation that takes place, that comes when we're braided together with him. I think there's some things you can do in the short term. Let me close with this. James said, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. You may not always feel it, but that's a fact. I think we should draw near to the Lord. I think we should write out our prayers, not in a liturgical way, but sort out what we're really thinking and what we're really feeling, what we really want. That's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are some man's prayers where he's sorting it out before God and he nails down eventually what he wants. I heard Bill Johnson say something uh, this, about two weeks ago that really spoke to me. Uh, see, there's a Psalm for everything you go through. The Psalms are probably the favorite book in the Bible of most people. I mean, if you're on a desert island, you want to be with the Psalms. The Psalms reflect stuff what we think and feel. 
There's a psalm for everything. If you've lost a loved one, there's a psalm for you. If you've been sick, there's a psalm for you. If you've been rejected, there's a psalm for you. There's a psalm for every condition. And what Bill Johnson said, I thought was so wise, he said he goes, when he goes through a difficult time, he gets into the psalms, and he finds a psalm where he can hear his own voice, where he hears his own heart. The, the psalm speaks for him. I think that's powerful. I think there is something to that. Maybe one step deeper would be for you to write your own psalms, to sort out, write your own lamentation. Write out what you're feeling, what's frustrating for you, what, what you want God to do through this time. I think that'd be powerful. Romans chapter 8, it says that it's possible that the Holy Spirit can actually pray through us the will of God. I find that I'm so limited in my head of what I can pray, what I can think of to pray. I pray there's this burst of praying in the beginning, and I pray through my list of cares, the people that I care about, the things I need, and then I'm done, and I'm at the end of my prayers. Then there's a level of prayer that's beyond words. There's a level of prayer where there's nothing spoken, but there's an exchange that takes place between his spirit and my spirit. There's a place in prayer that you come to that... God begins dealing with us on a deeper level. And I think it's there that maybe the Holy Spirit would start praying through us. We've prayed our stuff, our list. What if, what if we trust the Lord, especially this coming week, praying tongues, praying the Spirit, trusting the Holy Spirit to pray the will of God through us, that you actually are an audience. You're hearing your, you're hearing your heart pray things that your head would never pray. I think that's a level of prayer that we need to get to. I think I, I, what I'd like to call us to do for this coming week is those who can pray by the Spirit, let's pray by the Spirit more than we ever have before. Let's believe for a breakthrough. that This thing has to come to a close. I think, it's, I think it's time for it to come to an end. I think something has to break. Something has to change. I'm not waiting for the system. I'm not waiting for the government to figure it out. I'm not waiting for the test. I'm not waiting for the analysis. I'm not waiting for, uh, I, I, want, I want to wait upon the Lord. I want to trust the Lord because then I'll never be disappointed. What if we went deeper in prayer? I just read this week that, or heard a report that uh, Governor, Lieutenant Governor of, of the state of New York has been assigned the Finger Lakes region and she can decide whether or not we open and whether we can gather as churches and whether our businesses can go back. Why don't we pray for her this coming week? That fits with uh, 1 Timothy 2.2 where Paul called for the people of his generation to pray. He says, I, I would that everyone be praying, praying for the powers that be, praying for the, those in authority, for kings and those in authority, that we can live peaceable and godly lives, that we can live with reverence before God. Now, he wrote that when the time when the, the politics were at its worst, uh, when the, there was the politics, the, the government was anti-Christian. Persecution was happening. Uh, there was no favor from the government down. The government was completely corrupt, completely pagan. And he's saying, no, we're not trusting them. We're going to shift, and we're going to trust the Lord, and we're going to believe God that we can live peaceable, godly lives with all reverence. But it really begins with us being the, the, the game changers, us being the, the means of change that God can flow through. Let's believe God for our government this week like we've not prayed for our government before. 
I can't help that what we're going through is a, a dry run. I think persecution has to happen in America. I think it has to happen here. We, we haven't had that. I think it has to happen. And what if, what if this is just a, a preparation or way to even evaluate how well we would do during that time? I think, I think now is the time to really get down, belly down, and really begin praying and believe God that this thing changed, that solutions happen from heaven. I don't want to just say, I go fishing. I don't want to just go back to business. I don't want to just go back to normal. I want, to, I, want, I want to come out of this thing in a way that I have no regrets, that I'm not ashamed, that I'm not disappointed in me or in God or in us or what God has done through this time. Let's use this. Let's trust the Lord in ways we haven't before. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for everyone that's listening today. Our patience is limited. Capacity to wait is low. Our expectation in our government is such a roller coaster, God. I'm praying, Father, that you'd move our hearts, that we trust you, that we'd look to you. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit, the powerful, mighty, wonderful Holy Spirit that you've given to us as a gift would begin praying through us that we would see and understand by the Spirit what your mind is, what your will is, what you want to do in us and in our country. Father, change us. Work a work in us. Use this time. Use this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.